First thing I want to say is, you guys have grown. I was here December 2nd. I went to my iPhone and said, Richmond, Virginia, and I popped two pictures. We were here uh, December 2nd, 2018. I realized COVID has cheated us of about a year and a half together. So we're so grateful to be back. And guess what? You guys have, the Lord has added to your number. It's so exciting. Not only to see numbers, because a lot of people have numbers. There are people that smile a lot and hold up their Bible and never crack it and have a lot of numbers. But I see spiritual health in this congregation. So so grateful for that. Stephen, well done, brother. Courtney, well done, sister, wherever you may be. You guys are doing a great job, and I'm so proud of you. Our church in Roanoke, seriously, we might have missed a week or two, but not many. We pray for you guys and pray that God would prosper the work of your hand. So I am going to just spend just a little bit of time in, in two passages, Ezekiel 34 and then in 1 Peter 5. I understand they're not read in the ordinal and the ordination service, but this is what I prayed and this is what the Lord gave me, so I'm going to follow him, okay? Good. All right, so I want you to hear this. And the first passage from Ezekiel 34 <clears throat> is kind of what not to do as a shepherd, what not to do. So sometimes you need to be told what to do and also what not to do. And when they tell you what not to do, you can always flip it on its head to know what you should do. So we open Ezekiel 34, and it says, And the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Well, we've got a lot of beasts and divinity and, and reformed guys here, and you're all smart. You had way more Greek and Hebrew than I did. I understand that. And I understand when it says the shepherds of Israel, that may be primarily talking about um, political rulers. But you've got to remember, even political rulers like David were also spiritual leaders. They were leaders of the people. And we also know that, like Jeremiah was called a shepherd. So I don't want to force a bifurcation of that, but here it is. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, those who, who care for the souls of God's people. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, O shepherds of Israel, who've been feeding yourselves, should you not, uh, sh shepherd, uh, should you shepherds not feed the sheep? I looked back to that picture three years ago, and I realized, Stephen, I've gained 10 pounds in the last bit of COVID. And I understand, like, I love to eat, but that's not really, it's not really talking about overeating. What it's really talking about is when shepherds are self-focused, when they're inwardly focused, caring for themselves and not for others. That, in fact, is not a shepherd. That would be a what, according to Scripture? Or a hireling, a wolf or a hireling. And so it said, should not shepherds feed the sheep? That's the question. If you're going to be a shepherd, you're going to be a priest, you're going to be a presbyter. Your job primarily is to glorify God. Your second job is to feed the sheep. And in feeding the sheep, guess what? You glorify God. Then it goes on in verse 3. Oh, you, the shepherds of Israel, you eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, and you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. In verse 4 it says, The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up, and the strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. 
Friends, I get it. I grew up, I won't name the denomination, most of you can guess it. And I grew up in a denomination where they cared whether your shoes were shined and could you get us out of the uh, church service in time so we could go to the country club and eat before the Baptists got there. And friends, what I want to tell you is being a shepherd, being a pastor, or even being a Christian, kingdom of priests to serve our God, is not about your comfort. God has actually put us on mission. Churches that are on mission grow and grow healthy. Churches that get inwardly focused never have healthy growth. Never, 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 never. And so the question I have to ask myself, big church, big budget, it's so easy, one degree at a time, to slip into being self-focused. Remember those days, Jerry. Remember the days. Grady Spiegel said, let's go down to downtown Roanoke and give everybody a, a, a hat that says Jesus loves you. So we did that. And we were, we were passionate. We started Young Life. We did all these things. But then the church starts to have some success, and successful people come. And we get to be, you know, an established church. And it's very easy to get about programs, right, programs and things, and going to clergy meetings and getting fine vestments and forgetting the sheep, forgetting sheep. It's outrageous. It's sort of be like if you dressed up like a fireman, but you'd never fought a fire. It's says the weak you've not strengthened, the sick you've not healed, the injured you've not bound up, the strayed you've not brought back, the lost you have not sought. Did you ever think what's around this church right here? I wonder if God were to give you special glasses and you could see the spiritual fate of every man, woman, and child within three miles of this church. Much like that movie, I forget the name of it, it doesn't matter. God shakes his hand and he could see the future. What if God gave you the ability to see the spiritual fate of every man, woman, and child in your midst? I can guarantee you, you would stop focusing on all these secondary, tertiary matters, and you would get about the business of the king. You would focus on, you would care for their soul. You wouldn't worry about, oh, I'm not adequate, like Isaiah was saying. You would get about sharing the hope that lies within you. You don't have to be an expert to, to point to Jesus. Think of the man born blind. He said, what did they say about to the man born blind. Who healed you? It's that man, Jesus. He's a sinner. He goes, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But I can tell you what I do know. I once was blind, and now I can see. That man did not have a PhD. He hadn't been to seminary. He hadn't even been to vacation Bible school. But he gave a testimony. Friends, i got to tell you, we don't have to out-argue people. God is already at work by his Holy Spirit. All around you, I promise you, there are broken lives. People that are hungry, they're thirsty. They don't even know what they're hungry and thirsty for, but you do, and you do so. And so not only is there selfishness and the false shepherds, the hirelings, but it says, with force and harshness, you rule over them. Force and harshness. You know, I'm just shocked, even by how I have been harsh with people in the ministry, and the Holy Spirit's convicted me. But I see rectors sometimes. You know, they get a big church, and they get a lot of education, and a big church, and fancy things, 
And they start believing a lie. They believe the lie that they are king. They don't serve the king. It's subtle. I mean, it has to be subtle. That's the way Satan works, one degree at a time, like a frog in a kettle. We have to be on guard that we are not hirelings, we are not false shepherds like the shepherds of Israel, that we do not rule over people with force and harshness. That's not Jesus' way. That's not what Jesus did. Verse 5, it says, So <clears throat> because the shepherds were not doing their job and not serving uh, and caring for the sheep, it says, So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered, and they wandered over all the mountains on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. My sheep were scattered. My sheep were scattered. How it grieves the Lord's heart that we have everything we need for life and godliness. We have everything we need. And for whatever reason, our pride, our reticence, or whatever, we keep the gospel the, the, the biggest secret in the world. And what I want to say, friends, is we need to step into the freedom and what I would say the joy of giving a reason for the hope that lies within you. We need to be willing to share. Again, you don't have to out-argue people. You have to be like the man that was born blind that Jesus healed. I once was blind, and now I see. And it was that man, Jesus. I want you to turn now, those of you who have a Bible or a Bible app, we're going to go to 1 Peter 5. And here, we're just going to spend a couple minutes here. Here is, is a charge from the Lord through Peter to shepherd the flock of God. And so we've talked a little bit about what not to do, but now he's telling you what to do. What do we do, sir? Sir, how, Lord, how do I serve you? It says this, 1 Peter 5. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness for the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Friends, I'm telling you, not just in my former denomination, but in so many denominations, I see pastors who are so brilliant, they can translate nine languages, but they don't shepherd the sheep. There are churches where they don't even present the gospel, where they don't even talk about the cross and repentance. They don't point people to Jesus. They point them to church. I love church. I spend my life in church. I think you know that. I spent so many years in the church, but I didn't know the gospel. I was an acolyte in the church. I didn't know the gospel. And so the privilege that we have is that we are called to share that hope and to shepherd the flock of God that is amongst us. And it says not only to shepherd them and feed them and tend them and look out for the lost, but also uh, to exercise oversight. You know, when you're a presbyter or when you're a bishop, or really when you're a Christian, we, we who are spiritual must restore those who've gone astray gently, but we must restore them. I don't like conflict. Jerry would tell you, I don't like conflict. I grew up in a home where fussing and fighting. And that has an effect on you. But you know what? It's not about all that. In uh, the love that Christ has poured into me, I have to love people enough 
not to worry if they're going to get mad and leave the church, if they're going to think I'm harsh or whatever. I have to love them enough to tell them the truth. I see people when we're driving on the roads. Don't worry, we're going to be done in just a second. Have you seen this? Somebody's driving a car, the car's coming toward you. They flash the lights. Have you seen this? Why do you reckon they're flashing the lights at you? You're all smart people. I think you know. Yeah. If you're a policeman, sorry. Um, yeah, so why, why does that person coming your way flash their lights? Because they don't want you to get a ticket, right? And I'm thinking, holy cow. If people care so much about a $70 ticket, how much more should we care that someone does not know Christ, they are perishing, and they will not be with him forever. Or another example, if you had, if you had a, a road out or a bridge out, and you knew it because you had seen it, but you saw these other cars, or maybe teenagers racing down the road, and you see them racing down the road, what are you going to do, just keep it to yourself? Oh, it's not my job to say anything about it. No, you're going to say, Stop! Stop! Your life is at risk. Friends, I know you love people enough that you do that. I know you love them enough to kind of flash your lights so they won't get a ticket. How much more should we be willing to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and really engage in a relationship and engage in questions? We listen, but we also ask questions. And we warn those. Turn, repent from your sins. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So, my brother, you are called to be a shepherd. And there are two roads. You can be a faithful shepherd or you can be a false shepherd. You can be a faithful shepherd or you can be a hireling. I know you, and I know your heart's desire is to be a faithful shepherd. The gospel is, is and we're going to see it in our ordination liturgy in just a second says all these things. We ask them all these hard questions. And honestly, if they didn't have that last little line in, in the ordination uh, liturgy, I would think, oh my gosh, Lord, you've just put all this weight on my back. How could I possibly do all these things that you're asking of me? But, but, but in the ordination liturgy, it says, really, you can't without Christ. It is impossible for you to be a faithful shepherd without Christ. That's why in Isaiah 6, the seraphim had to come, because Isaiah was aware. When he said, woe is me, I'm unclean, I have a man of unclean lips. It wasn't that he was just, you know, being humble or whatever. No, that was the truth. He was not worthy to minister on behalf of the Lord. That is the truth. And neither are we. But what did God do? This is gospel stuff. He took a, he took a, an ember from the altar of God, and he puts it on the tongue, and basically he, he takes away Isaiah's sin. He makes him clean. And I want to tell you, if God will do that for Isaiah, he will do that for you. Those whom the Lord calls, he equips. I want you to know, there are going to be many happy days in your ministry. But there are going to be some other days where you say, Lord Jesus, is there anything else I could do? And we talked yesterday a lot about calling. 
Just like John uh, in 1 John said, I want you to know that you know that you know that you have eternal life. As a pastor, a priest, a clergyman, I want you to know that you know that you know that Christ has called you, not for any innate goodness in yourself, but because he, the Lord of lords and the King of kings, has called you for his pleasure, for his kingdom, not to us. Not to us, but to your name be the glory. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.